Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. As we go to the Word of the Lord series that we began last night, two-part series. Tonight will be the final, second installment. And uh, we are talking about the end time, specifically about understanding the end time. And uh, this phrase, the end time, you see it uh, in different forms. Sometimes it's all one word, as you see here on the screen that I have prepared this slide. It's one word. Sometimes it's end time with a space in between those two words. Uh, It doesn't really matter, I guess, grammatically how it appears, but um, as we see world events taking place before our very eyes that have something to do with or are talked about specifically and explicitly in the Word of God, uh, we just continue to be amazed as God proves to us that we are the generation that is indeed living in the end time period. And uh, as I said last time, very quickly in review, the, the end time is not, as some people think of it, the end of the world. It is simply the end of this generation known as the church age or the church dispensation. The word dispensation simply means time period. And we are the generation of the end time. And the events that God tells us about would take place during this time period Uh, started coming to pass several years ago, and indeed, you can see something in the news almost daily that show us that it is still happening. Prophecy is being fulfilled right before our very eyes. So, So what is a good definition for the end time? It would help if I turned this on, wouldn't it? Uh, we, We mentioned this last time, some of the topics that are Uh, a part of the end time that the Bible prophesies about during this time period include a one-world government, a one-world religion, the mark of the beast, uh, the World War III, the reborn Holy Roman Empire, the Israeli-Palestinian Peace Agreement. The Bible calls it a covenant. Modern-day term for it is treaty. Uh, The red heifers, those are cows that have a red reddish tint to their hide used in the tabernacle sacrifice in the Old Testament. Uh, That's going to be reinstated during this time period. The third temple that is going to be rebuilt, the Jews have been wanting to do this ever since they officially became a nation, again recognized by the United Nations back in 1948. The problem is the Muslims uh, are there, and they uh, have control of the Temple Mount, but that's going to change, and the Third Temple is going to be built during this time period. There's going to be the Battle of Armageddon, which is separate from World War III. Then there's going to be the rapture and the second coming of the Lord back to earth and the kingdom of God being established in the earth. Uh, Again, in review, a definition for end time or end of the age is the end 
of the time of human government and the beginning of the kingdom of God in the earth. All of those things that were on the prior slide, when those have come to pass, you saw down near the, um, the bottom is the kingdom of God being established. That is the last thing, uh-oh, that is the last thing that's going to come to pass of all the events prophesied for uh, the end time that the Bible talks about. Uh, okay, well, we'll go on from there without the slide, and Brother Terry will catch it up to us. Tonight, we want to continue with some of those topics that you saw on that list, and uh, I'm just, by way of reminder, just briefly uh, giving you just a little synopsis of each one. I'm not going into detail. There have been times when we've taught on these various subjects in the past and gone into a lot of detail. Uh, I'm going to, with the Lord's permission, hopefully in the next few weeks, uh, talk about one particular topic. I don't know if I'm going to do it on Wednesday night or during our Sunday Sunday school hour, but I'm going to ask the Lord what His wishes are and follow that. But tonight, we're just talking about each of these things briefly because you and I, as a part of God's church, need to know these things. We need to know a little bit about them so that we can tell others who do not know God that we are living in this time period when these things are going to come to pass. If you knew that your house or if you knew that somebody's house was going to burn down uh, tomorrow night at 8 p.m., uh, wouldn't you go tell them about it? Heaven forbid that you would keep silent. Same is true if, uh, if you turn that over to the flip side. If somebody knew that uh, your house was going to burn to the ground tomorrow night at 8 o'clock, how would you feel if they didn't warn you about it? You'd be mad at them, wouldn't you? Well, this old world, uh, the, the house is burning down. It's on fire already, but a lot of people don't know about it. We who know about it are uh, under direct command from the Bible. Let me put the, vi the, the, uh, the verse up to tell others about it. We are to, uh, what does it say in Daniel 11? Such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt by flatteries. That's talking about the Antichrist. But the people that do know their God shall be strong during this time period and do exploits. And they that understand among the people shall instruct many. We need to yell fire. To everybody we know, okay, because this thing is wrapping up uh, quickly. Daniel was told when he asked, when he prayed to be told the meaning of these visions, these things that God told him that were going to happen, the angel said these things are going to happen, and uh, Daniel wanted to know, he said, what does this mean? And he was told, go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the end, till the time of the end, hence the praise in time. And so it has been reserved for the people who are alive right now, those who know what the Bible says, 
to understand those things that God said thousands of years ago are going to come to pass right now during this end time period. And we can understand end time prophecy, even though there are some people who say we can't. All right, let's go to the next one on the list. And that is the fact that God, because of his relationship with his people in the natural, the chosen nation, the descendants of Abraham, the nation of Israel, because of God's covenant with Abraham and thus all of his descendants, the nation of Israel, uh, we need to look at what God says in his word is going to happen regarding Israel during this end time. Uh, You might say that God's prophetic time clock is the nation of Israel. Now, um, there are very few Bible prophecies about the end time, or really about anything, with a specific date on them. But the prophecy of Daniel's 70th week, which is, uh, we call it the Great Tribulation, it's a seven-year period Uh, just before the second coming of the Lord and the fighting of the battle of Armageddon, the seven years that precedes that has three and a half years of peace and three and a half years, it's called the time of Jacob's trouble when, when God will pour out his wrath upon the earth, upon the wickedness of men and this old world. I don't know about you, but There's not a day that goes by that I listen to the news or look at it on the Internet, and I don't, uh, I have to keep myself from getting upset because of wicked men in our world, in our country, and what they are being allowed to do. But God's going to bring judgment on those folks. Don't you worry. Their time's coming, and it's going to be the second half of the seven-year time period that Daniel saw God showed him 70 weeks, and uh, the 69, the first 69 weeks, I'm not going to get into details of those, have already happened. They've already come to pass. God put a parenthesis or a break in between the end of the 69th week and those events and the beginning of the 70th week, which is the great tribulation, although the tribulation is not coming until the last three and a half years, when God pours out his wrath on the wicked and upon the Jews, God is going to chasten Israel. Uh, the rest of the world's going to be doing their best to wipe them off the face of the map. They've already been broadcasting for years. They're going to do it. And uh, so for three and a half years, it's going to be pretty rough on the wicked and upon the nation of Israel. And at the end of this seven-year period, this Daniel's 70th week, uh, God's going to appear on the scene riding on a white stallion, a white horse. The Bible says his saints with him, we will be with him, and he's going to fight the battle of Armageddon, destroy the, the armies of the nations of the world that are trying to destroy Israel. And Israel is going to, at that moment, realize that they missed him when he came the first time as a little baby in a manger. And this time they're going to recognize him as their Lord and God and Savior. They're going to recognize that Jesus is Jehovah, the God they've been serving all these years. 
But there's a little parenthesis, a little break between the 69th week and the 70th week, the beginning of that last seven-year period called Daniel's 70th week. And that break, that parenthesis, is called the church age, the church dispensation. dispensation. And God didn't put a prophecy anywhere in the Bible about how long that would last or when it would come to an end. But we do know that once the things that are going to be a part of this Daniel's 70th week, it's called the time of Jacob's trouble, that when those events take place, then we know specifically that the rest of these things are going to happen. Bam, 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 one right after the other. Now, um, Scripture foretells what are some of those things. Scripture foretells there's going to be uh, an Israeli-Palestinian peace agreement that will mark the beginning of that seven-year period, and the end of it will be the second coming of the Lord Jesus and the Battle of Armageddon. And uh, so we need to tell folks that this is going to happen. The next thing is the Holy Roman Empire is going to rise again. Very quickly, uh, the Roman Catholic Church became not just the official church of the Roman Empire uh, under the leadership of Constantinople. The Roman emperor, it became law that you had to become a Christian. It became the official religion, Christianity did, uh, in the form of Roman Catholicism, the official religion of the state and of the Roman Empire. One of the five greatest prophetic fulfillments in the last 2,000 years occurred uh, about 14 years ago on November the 3rd, 2009, when a treaty called the Lisbon Treaty was signed in a monastery. And the problem is the world totally missed it. But this prophecy explains the rebirth of the Holy Roman Empire, the alliance or the union of state and church. And so the one world government, the Antichrist, is going to combine with a one-world religion, and uh, that is going to be called the Holy Roman Empire Reborn. Again, a lot of details I'm leaving out, but I don't have time to give specifics. Maybe we'll talk on some of these. Well, I plan on to it in the future. Then you have the Antichrist and the false prophet. The Antichrist is going to have a religious partner. The Bible calls him the false prophet. They are both most likely alive on planet Earth right now, tonight. Uh, the Antichrist is going to be at the head. He will be literally Satan incarnate. Just as God embodied flesh and became a human being, and that, that human being was called Jesus Christ, the devil is going to call it whatever you want, incarnate or possess a man, that man will be at the head of the one world government. All of the kingdoms, the countries of the world will give their allegiance to him. And uh, that, that world government is emerging even now. We talked about this last, uh, last time. It's called the New World Order or the Liberal International Order or the International Community. And it's happening right now. 
It has been for some years. The false prophet, well, you see a man behind a pulpit preaching with hands raised down the bottom right corner of the screen. That's just some artist concept. It probably won't look uh, exactly like that. But he's going to be, uh, this, this religious leader is going to be the most well-liked, most popular, most famous religious leader on the planet. And he will use his religious influence to convince the world that the one world government, the new world order is good, and that the new world dictator, who is in secret the Antichrist, is a gift from God. There are scriptures that talk about how that with all deceivableness, uh, Satan is going to do this. In fact, the Antichrist is going to set himself up as God in the Jewish rebuilt temple, the third temple, and say, I'm God, you got to worship me. So the, the false prophet works in tandem, hand in hand, to promote the Antichrist from a religious perspective and everybody who's trying to be religious. Because you see, God made us with an inborn, innate need for him. The problem has been for thousands of years, man's history on this planet, is when man has tried to fulfill or meet that yearning, that need within for God by going to other sources. And that's why there's so many different kinds of religion that have the earth has seen over uh, time since it was created. But the, the false prophet's not going to call the Antichrist the beast like the Bible does. He's not going to call him the man of sin like the Bible does or the son of perdition, or even the Antichrist. But he's going to exalt and enhance the Antichrist and do his best to influence the world to follow him. So the false prophet, who is he? He will be the leader of the one world religious system that is even now before our eyes being established and being worked on. Uh, never before in the history of the world have you seen a push to bring all religions of the world together to unify and unite so these two individuals the antichrist and the false prophet are going to work together to build satan's physical kingdom in the earth uh, and and of course it's not going to last very long at the end of the seven years uh, the Lord's going to show up, and uh, that'll be that as far as Satan's kingdom in the earth. But let me just warn you tonight, whenever the rapture takes place, and I don't know when it's going to happen, but whenever the rapture takes place, if you're here or you need to tell somebody just in case they're here when these things happen, it is certainly not something anybody should participate in, Okay? Because the Bible says he, calleth, he causeth all, both small and great, to take his mark. And if you take of the mark of the beast, you are lost forever and ever. Don't shoot the messenger. That's the Bible. Which, speaking of, that's the next topic. Mark of the beast. Also uh, called in the Bible 6 Six, six, that dreaded number. Movies have been made about it. People have made fun of it. People are scared of it. Uh, I wouldn't have it on my license plate. 
As a matter of fact, I don't know if when you go through the line at the grocery, if you really want your total to be $6.66. If that's the case, you might want to buy something else and add to it. I, I, I don't really think it's, it's that. It's like that. But nobody, I'm just trying to point out, nobody likes that number. Because in the Bible, it talks about a time when every person will have to have a mark or a number without which you will be unable to buy or sell, to participate in, uh, in, in any kind of economic transaction, whether it's buying groceries at the store for food to feed your family or a home or what have you. It's called the mark of the beast. But again, if you take this number, the Bible says you are eternally damned. Now, uh, it's in Revelation 13. We're not going to put the scriptures up, but go there and read it if you want to. We need to know this because you need to educate others about it. You need to tell them that it's coming. Believe it or not, the mark of the beast is being set up right now. Uh, most of the nations of the world are already implementing a national ID system. That's just a precursor, a prelude to lead us to a, 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 some kind of mark identifying us that will be our identification, identifying us as belonging to, if you take the mark, the Antichrist and his world system and giving your allegiance to him. Uh, both the World Bank's Identification for Development and the United Nations ID 2020 projects are working as we speak to issue unique digital identities or identification numbers to people today who have no identification. And I'm told there's over one billion of those. It means they don't have a driver's license. They don't have a national ID of any kind. All right, let's move on. Spoke about this earlier, the one world religion. It will be when all religions become one. There was a secret pact signed way back in the 1980s between these two men that you see on the screen. On the left is, somebody tell me who that is? Mikhail Gorbachev, and, uh, or Gorbachev, however it's pronounced. And the fellow on the right, Pope John Paul II, uh, a lot of people thought that Ronald Reagan was the one that brought down the Berlin Wall. Not so. Uh, a lot of people thought that when the Berlin Wall came down and the Iron Curtain uh, that Russia was behind came down, that it was just a spontaneous, dramatic event. It wasn't. It was meticulously planned over, uh, planned over about a 10-year period. And these two men uh, were uh, at the forefront of it. It's one of the most amazing stories never told. It wasn't in the news. They worked together to bring down the Berlin Wall, dismantle the Iron Curtain, and bring an end to the Cold War. Anybody remember the Cold War? Uh, all of this is tied in with the establishment of the one world religion. The Bible predicts 
not only that there will be a one-world government, but there's going to be a one-world religion uh, in the end time that people will have to join and pledge allegiance to the political system and the one-world religious system, or they will not be given this unique number in which they can function in society. So here's the theory. You look on the screen, you see the three major religions of the world as far as numbers of people. The first one on the red banner is a cross, which is Christianity. The next one is a green flag. You, I'm sure you recognize the emblem. It's Islam, the Muslims. And the third one is Israel or Judaism. There is a move that has been working mainly underground, but it will come out very soon to combine all three of these major religions and every other religion in the world under one banner of tolerance. You've heard for years different popes uh, really backing off the strong stand that the Catholic Church held for years on several policies. You see the same thing happening in America, especially uh, around the world, but we live here, so we see what goes on here more than the rest of the world. But Christianity has been dumbing down its constituents. I'm talking about Christianity as a whole for decades now, doing away with, first of all, believing that the Bible is the truth, believing that, there's, that Jesus Christ is the way to salvation. There are, they have uh, done everything from ordained uh, homosexuals and lesbians to ministry to even leadership positions in various Christian denominations in direct defiance and violation of what God says in his word is important to him. Why are they doing this? To bring together all the religions so it will make it easier to bring together all the religions of the world into one world religion. Uh, one of the former assistant general secretary at the United Nations, Mr. Robert Mueller, now this is not the same one that was uh, involved in the Justice Department a few years ago. This is, I don't even know what country he's from, but he, he said at one time, now this is number two guy in the United Nations, uh, formerly. He said, we must move as quickly as possible to a one world government a one-world religion under a one-world leader. Now, this is not somebody who believes the Bible. He's probably not a Christian. But here he is saying what the Bible prophesied thousands of years ago would happen, saying we need to do this. Number two guy in the United Nations, formally. Now, watch this. He also said this specifically. We have brought the world together as far as we can politically, to bring about a true world government, the world must be brought together spiritually. What we need is a united nations of religions. Hence, you have all of the interfaith movement and meetings that are being held throughout the world even now as we speak. And so, the goal is to amalgamate or combine all the religions of the world under one global ethic, championing the idea 
again, giving support, pushing the idea of a new world order, also known as one world government. All right, let's go to the next one on the list I want to bring to your... The, uh, when you read the book of Revelation, it can be confusing. How many have ever read in the book of Revelation? It's not Revelations. It's one revelation of Jesus Christ given to John. My Bible says the divine on the Isle of Patmos. When John was given this great vision of mainly stuff that we're talking about tonight, end-time events, the book of Revelation. Uh, if you've ever read it, I know you've been confused. I have. One of the things you must keep in mind that will help your confusion, at least somewhat, you must remember that the things that John was given were not given to him and thus not written in chronological order. So you can't read it from beginning to end and think that it's unfolding in chronological order like a novel you sit down and read or a book or a movie that you might watch. So keep that in mind. You have, as you see on the screen, in the book of Revelation, uh, John is shown seven seals and each time he was shown a seal, something happened, an end-time event. Then he's shown seven trumpets. Angels sounded a trumpet. And when the first trumpet sounded, something happened, and so forth down the line, all seven trumpets. And then he was shown seven bowls. The King James word is vile. It means a bowl. And there are things in the, the bowl that was poured out on the earth, each of the seven bowls. Okay, here's... Here's what will help you understand the book of Revelation a little bit better when you're reading it. The, when you compare the seven seals and the seven trumpets and the seven vials, it is three different ways of telling the same thing, the same story. The seals are the long story, uh, ending with the second coming of Jesus Christ, back to earth in the battle of Armageddon. That's the last seal. Uh, the trumpets are the shorter story ending at the same time with the second coming of the Lord in the battle of Armageddon. The vials or the bowls are the very short story also ending at the same event. So each of these uh, elements begins uh, begin at different times, but they all end at the same time, and that proves inconclusively that the book of Revelation is not written in chronological order. Uh, several of the trumpets uh, have already sounded. Uh, the sixth trumpet, just real quickly, sounds like when you read it, it will probably be World War III. That's recorded in Revelation 9. Uh, that and the Palestinian-Israeli peace agreement, those are the next two things that are going to take place on the earth. The others before them have already taken place. And again, the seventh, the seventh trumpet is the second coming of the Lord and the battle of Armageddon, which occurs at the end of the seven-year great tribulation period. So I know you got questions about that. I'm having to hurry. I'm just laying a groundwork, a basic understanding 
of these end time events tonight. That was the purpose for uh, my purpose for this study. Okay, we got two more. You've got the second coming of Jesus. Again, this is some artist rendition. The scripture says that he will be riding a white horse. He will be leading the saints. Uh, with, with his saints, he will appear in the eastern sky. The Bible says every eye on earth shall behold him. Uh, the rapture is going to be a secret event. Uh, in, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, uh, the, the, the Lord told his disciples when he was on the earth, he said, if the goodman of the house, if, if the husband, the father, the head of the house had known when the house was going to be broken into by a burglar, I'm using modern words, he would have been ready and he would have stopped. He said, the world's not going to know uh, when the rapture is going to take place. But they will know when this is going to happen. Why? Because the clock, as I mentioned a while ago, I may not have said it very well, but let me rephrase it. The clock starts ticking when the peace treaty is signed between Israel and the Palestinians. The whole world breathes a sigh of relief. We at last have peace in the Middle East. From that day that that peace treaty is signed, the Bible calls it a covenant, that starts the seven-year period known as the Great Tribulation. Again, which only the second three and a half years is real tribulation. The first three and a half years is going to be peaceful. But seven years from that day, the Lord's coming back. I don't know if it'll be seven years to the day or if it'll be a month later or before. But seven years, the Bible says, the Lord will appear with his saints coming to fight the battle of Armageddon and deliver Israel from the, west, the rest of the world. Now, uh, the, the book of Revelation speaks in symbols. You see in Revelation and in other end-time prophecy passages, even in the Old Testament, Zechariah, Daniel, you, you see symbols like the word beast. There was a beast that rose up and did such and so. Anytime you see the word beast in the Bible in end-time prophecy, that represents a country, a nation, okay? Uh, if you notice, my title slide had four beasts on it. That represents the four beasts that Daniel saw. And again, in the book of Revelation, it's four countries. So there's a lot of symbolic pictures in the book of Revelation. Anytime you see, you see the phrase in end-time scriptures, prophecy scriptures, uh, many waters, that, that's a symbol which really means many people, multitudes of people. But if you'll notice in the first verse, uh, of the book of Revelation, it says the revelation of Jesus Christ. And the original word revelation, uh, the English word revelation, comes from the Greek word apocalypsis, which means the revealing or the unveiling. So the entire book of Revelation is, is devoted to dramatizing and telling this incredible story 
of how the second coming of Christ is going to happen. This is the focal event. Everything else that the Bible says is going to happen and prophesies is going to happen is second or third or fourth or whatever to this. Jesus Christ coming back to set up his kingdom in the earth. And everybody is going to know who he is. Uh, I believe when they see him instantly in, in your brain, every person on earth will realize that's God and it's Jesus. And so, uh, really, when you think about it, the second coming of the Lord back to earth, the first time he came, he came as a lowly, humble man. He was unlike any other man, any other human being that had ever or will ever live on this planet earth, but he was a human being. He was God in the form of man, but he was born in a stable, laid in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes. He lived what would be called the lowly existence of a, a commoner, a peasant. He wasn't rich. Uh, he, was, he was just, uh, 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 for all practical purposes, like you or me. He wasn't because he was God, but I mean in the lifestyle that he lived. But when he comes back the second time, my friend, it ain't going to be that way. Every eye is going to behold him, and they will know that's God. And they'll know he's coming back the second time, and he's coming to wreak havoc and judgment upon every wickedness and wicked person and wicked deed that's ever been done on this planet, especially that which is going on during this end time period that we are living in right now that will culminate when he appears in that eastern sky, praise God. And uh, you, you can think of it like this. The second coming of the Lord back to earth is the crowning moment in all of the history of the earth. And he is going to put down every throne of man, every political party, every dictatorship, every prime minister, every president, every ruler of anything and everything on this earth, and he is going to establish what he has promised for thousands of years he was going to do, his kingdom, and he's going to rule over it all. He's going to rule and reign as the king of all kings and lord of all lords. Now, that phrase in the Bible, we love to say it, you know, we use it in praise and worship, that really means if, we, if, if I were to take that phrase and say it in our common modern language, it would be he's, going to be he's going to be dictator over all dictators and president over all presidents and ruler over all rulers uh, and prime minister over all prime ministers and so forth and so on. So it is important for you, yourself, and for you to be involved in the life of everybody that you possibly can be, getting ready for that by being born again. Because that's when uh, our, our, our immortal body is going to live forever. And the Bible says that the saints will rule and reign with him as kings, as rulers. I don't know if, if I'll get to be a, a governor or a mayor over a city, or I might just be, uh, be over the community watch program on my block. I don't know. But the Bible says his people, his children, 
are going to rule and reign with him as kings and priests. There's not a whole lot in the Bible that amplifies or uh, talks about that phrase. Uh, but I think, I don't know, I think I'd rather be a priest than a king if I have to choose. Because, uh, I don't know, well, I'm a preacher in this life, who knows, maybe I'll have to be a king in that one. But anyway, those who are prepared and those who were, who were ready for the rapture and those who are saved during the seven-year tribulation period, the Bible does say that it will be possible to be saved. You will have to not take the mark of the beast in order to be saved. And You know, I've heard preachers talk about that all my life. There's a phrase in the Bible in the Old Testament that says, if you can't run with the soldiers, how can you keep up with the, the horsemen in battle? And there's other scriptures that have caused uh, people to say, and I would tend to agree with them. If you're here when the rapture takes place and you're lost, you, you're not saved, and you don't go in the rapture, I don't think there's any way you're going to be able to not take the mark of the beast and be saved during the great tribulation time period. Just my opinion. But I'm not the judge. God is the judge. I want to be ready. I want to be ready. Uh, many people, even Christians, do not really understand this last one. The kingdom of God, what it really is. It's, uh, well, in Zechariah, I think it's 14, God shows Zechariah the battle of Armageddon when Jesus comes to earth to fight against the enemies who, uh, of Israel who are invading Israel with the intent of literally destroying them. And that army uh, will be uh, the army of the one world government run by the Antichrist. When he fights that battle, when Jesus destroys the Antichrist armies, um, well, I do have it on here, don't I? Zechariah 14 and 9 says, And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day shall there be one Lord and his name one. Daniel talks about it like this. In the, day, in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it shall stand forever the kingdom of God is going to stand forever finally I pull this verse out of Revelation 11 verse 15 the seventh angel sounded and there were great voices this is the seventh trumpet great voices in heaven saying the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever the kingdom of God is going to be when Jesus returns to the earth and establishes his kingdom well where are we tonight where are we now uh, there are two most Bible scholars say there's two prophecies two major prophecies that are going to happen next the Bible doesn't really give us what order they're going to be in but one of them is World War III, I mentioned that last Wednesday night. Folks, there's coming a war on this earth when two-thirds of the world is going to be destroyed. Uh, 
I, I, I can't imagine what it's going to be like. Uh, people say, well, it most likely will involve nuclear uh, weapons. That may be true. Sounds like it could be. I don't know. Uh, the Bible does say that that war will originate in the area of the world where the Euphrates River uh, region is. And, of course, we know that's the world's biggest hotspot. You've got Iran and you've got Israel uh, going at each other. Uh, I don't know. The United States has pledged allegiance to Israel that if Israel is attacked, uh, we will go to war. That could change if, if we have a, an administration that doesn't see eye to eye with that policy, they could take that policy away. I don't know what's going to happen. But the other major Bible prophecy that could happen besides the World War III is the, the treaty, the peace treaty between the Israelis and the Palestinians. And uh, there's a lot of things that, that, that I could talk about, but I, for time's sake, I'm not going to uh, we do know that the present prime minister of Netanyahu, I, I think the Lord, personally, I think the Lord has things on hold. He allowed Net Netanyahu to be elected prime minister of Israel again. And, and their government works somewhat different from ours. They are a democracy, but they're not a, we're not really truly a democracy. Our government is democratic, but our government in America, the United States, is a republic. Uh, and I forgot the other word that goes with that. Uh, a representative republic or something like that, where we, rep we elect people to represent us. The Israeli uh, political system is, is akin to that, but uh, the prime minister has a lot of control. And Netanyahu, who is now prime minister again, I think for the fourth time maybe, is one of the most conservative, political conservative prime ministers Israel has had. And I think God is using that to, to hold back these end-time events from happening. Again, the Bible says that uh, as far as the rapture is concerned, Jesus said, No man knows the day nor the hour, not even the angels in heaven know when that's going to happen. I personally believe that God has held off the rapture, and then all of these things happening for the express purpose, one reason, of allowing maybe one more person to obey Acts 2.38 and become a part of his people, his family, and escape not just these things that are going to happen on the earth, but escape hell itself. Let's stand together tonight. Without a doubt, we are watching these things come to pass. These prophecies seem to be converging almost at the same time. And uh, I want to be ready, and I want to help everybody I know get ready. That's why I believe the Lord instills in us an urgency, and, and that urgency gets more urgent the closer we get to the end. Why don't we... Uh, why don't we bow our heads and, and just conclude this service tonight by a prayer for the Lord to help us, help us to be the messengers, help us to be the church that he would have us to be, help us to be uh, the workers in his harvest field at this so 
very crucial and important time in the history of this planet. God, we need your grace. We need your help. We know that this thing is wrapping up. We know that we don't have much time to spread the word, the good news of the gospel, that you came to this earth and you died in our place, shed your blood, so that we could be saved not just from our sin, but, Lord, from these things, from the, the eternity that's going to last forever and ever in hell for those who do not come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. God, we want to be your vessel. We want to be your instrument in this end time. Impress upon every one of us the importance of these things, the urgency of the hour, and what it is we've got to do, what it is you died for us to do, and that is to share the gospel with everybody that's lost that we possibly can. Help us to do it according to your will, we pray, for you're coming soon. We believe it soon, oh God. Help us, God, to work while it is yet day, for the night cometh when no man can work. Praise God. And help us to do it, Lord, because we love you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody said amen. Amen. God bless you tonight. Let's go tell somebody what we've heard tonight. And... Uh, we can start by inviting somebody to come to church this Sunday. Everybody that heard that say amen. Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. Calvary Church is located at 406 North 44th Street in Mount Vernon, Illinois. Service times are Sunday school at 1 p.m. every Sunday, except the last Sunday of each month, and worship service at 2 p.m. Also, we have an all-church service at 6.30 p.m. on Wednesday. Calvary Church is affiliated with the United Pentecostal Church International. Thank you, and have a blessed day.